This is the Blaze and Access podcast. Disability news and perspective for Monday, November 27th. I'm Blaze Bryant. Today starts our two-week trip into the archives. In 2013, more specifically, December 2013, I spoke with Ed Lucas, who is a blind or was a blind sports reporter. This 2013 conversation aired on WAMC's The Roundtable because I was an intern at the radio station. Ed, how did you fall in love with baseball? My mother and father were great baseball fans. And um, we lived in Jersey City, New Jersey, where in those days we had a minor league club called the Jersey City Giants and um, at Roosevelt Stadium. And that was the first uh, place that Jackie Robinson ever played his first professional game. I happened to be at that game in 1946. He hit a home run that day. And um, my parents, we lived in a housing project. They didn't have much money, but they loved the game, and we went to see the Jersey City Giants. Grew up giant fans. My father and mother were giant fans, and the love of the game just grew every day, and I couldn't wait from one season to the other. And it ultimately led to you getting a ball and glove and getting some friends together and playing Sandlot games. Absolutely. Uh my uncle Gene Fury, who was a um, semi-pro, and uh, he played on a team, and uh, he gave me his uniform when he played for a team called the Eagles, with number four on the back. And it was a woolen uniform, and I lived in that thing from April to September. <laughs> My mother would have to wash it every day. I mean, it was, you know... That's all I wanted to wear was the baseball uniform. And I wore that as long as I could. And I just loved the game. And the day I lost my sight, I thought it was the end of the world. What could a blind person do? You... My image of a blind person was someone standing on the corner with a tin cup and a cane begging for money. That's all I remember. Going through New York with my sister Maureen and mother and father, and we would see these Blind men and women standing there with a cup and a cane and begging. And when I lost my sight, that was my first image. And I said I would never, never, never do that. And uh, with the encouragement of my family and my uh, faith, uh, gave me the impetus to go on. You talk <laughs> about losing your sight after the Giants won the pennant in 1951 when Bobby Thompson hit the shot around the world. When you lost your sight back in the 1950s, was that how people were perceived in terms of blindness, of having a cane and cup and selling pencils? Absolutely. Blind people couldn't do anything else. In that of running a... Um, vending stand, maybe selling newspapers or something like that, but most images of blind people were standing on a corner with a tin cup and a cane. And uh, I vowed I would never, never, never do that. And I went on to uh, a Catholic high school, a Catholic school, and then I went on to the New York Institute for the Education of the Blind in the Bronx, where I spent four years, I was a residential student, 
And I found out that other blind people loved baseball. It wasn't only me. The other blind people loved it. So I started a club called the Diamond Dusters. And having a relationship with Phil Rizzuto, the great shortstop for the Yankees, my mother, when I first lost my sight, brought me to meet him in the American shops in Newark. And um, he took an interest in me. He gave me his phone number. He was the MVP of the 1950 season, and in 1951 he was the MVP of the World Series. And here this MVP said to me, here's my phone number. Anytime you want to talk or you want to meet with me or whatever, he said, you just call me. He lived in Hillside, New Jersey, and wasn't far from Jersey City. And he said, I guess I can't have yours. You probably have an unlisted number. <laughs> and, of course, I gave him my number, and the rest is history. Scooter used to come over to my house and take me out to dinner and um, just to go for a ride sometimes and to encourage me. I mean, ballplayers today wouldn't do this. And he just gave me the impetus to go on. He said the love of the game that I had, and he, I would go over to the stadium and I would start meeting players and... and uh, I interviewed Willie Mays in 1957 at the Polo Grounds the last year they were there in the dugout. One of the uh, men that ran the dugout knew me from coming into the games with my mother all the time, and he said, would you like to meet anybody? I said, I'd like to interview some of these guys. And So that's how it all started. I said, this is what I want to do. And I was accepted at Seton Hall University, and I studied communication arts, and at first it was difficult. Nobody could believe that a blind person could follow sports and you know, write articles. How could you write something when you can't see? Or how could you talk about it when you can't see? So I had to prove myself. I had to work and send out articles and radio shows. I would uh, send tapes, but I wouldn't get paid because they couldn't believe a blind person could do this. So finally... Uh, I had to convince people, and finally got paid from some newspapers and radio stations. And, of course, Rizzuto was the encouragement. Most of the writers were very bitter that I was taking up time in the press box and space. Uh, I had a guide with me. Someone always took me to the game. I had my senior eye dog, but they always took me to the game. Uh, drove me there and... So forth, so there were two seats taken up. And I want to backtrack for just a second in terms of you talking about how people who are blind having a love for baseball. It's very easy, and I think safe to say, that baseball is and always will be such a radio-friendly sport, which draws people who cannot see what's going on on the field to the game better than any other sport. Absolutely. And uh, they had very, we were very fortunate here in the New York metropolitan area going back to the 50s. We had some great baseball announcers. And I can fortunately say that they were all friends of mine. Uh, Russ Hodges, who made the famous call on Bobby Thompson, uh, he broadcast for the Giants. And Red Barber was the broadcaster for the Dodgers. And uh, Vince Coey started uh, at age 19 in 1949, uh, coming out of Fordham University. One of the Dodger announcers got sick, 
and he stepped in. Of course, he's a legend today and still doing the Dodger games over 60 years out in Los Angeles. And uh, the Yankees had the great Mel Allen, and later on Red Barber joined him. But then uh, Rizzuto, when he retired in 1956, after a great major league career, he went up into the booth until 1997 and uh, work with Mel Allen. He was one of the first jockeys, as they called him, uh, ball player. There weren't too many ball players doing baseball games. I make about 120, 130 baseball games a year. Today, even today, between uh, the Mets and the Yankees, it's a wonderful relationship. And, of course, the announcers, you uh, grow up with them and feel like you're part of their family. And I'm fortunate enough to know them and uh, work with them. You talk about the announcers and sitting up in the press box with the games and when you were reporting. How were you able to find your way down to the field and interview a particular athlete? I have a sighted guide, someone that always comes with me, and I tell him who I want to talk to. Sometimes I'll go to the media relations director of the team and say, can you get so-and-so, and I would like to speak to him. And after a while, you build a relationship with these guys throughout Major League Baseball. Um, and I would go up to them and say, listen, do you have two minutes, three minutes, or I want to do a feature on you? And uh, if they had time, they would say, yeah, or see me later. Phil Rizzuto introduced you to your current wife, Allison, who at the time the two of you were introduced, she was a florist for Rizzuto. And you got married at home play in Yankee Stadium. That is correct. Allison actually graduated Seton Hall University uh, with a nursing degree. She was valedictorian. And one morning she woke up and she lost part of her sight. And she worked in a florist while going to school, so he knew her, but her aunt worked in the flowers, and Rizzuto said, what's the matter, Marlene? You, you don't seem right. He said, oh, my niece, my niece is uh, losing her sight, and I'm depressed. She can't do anything. There's nothing out there for her, and he said, well, I have a friend who's very successful. He said, maybe I can have him call her. Well, uh, we called, and <laughs> I was on the phone with her for about six or seven years, and they always say that the state of New Jersey wouldn't give either one of us a driver's license to go visit each other. <laughs> right. So uh, finally we met, and uh, we got married, and it was at home plate at Yankee, the old Yankee Stadium, March 10th, 2006, and the grounds crew to come out and make it look as if it was opening day. It was 74 degrees in March. They had the scoreboard scoreboard all lit up and um, they had the microphone up a friend of mine from the Phantom of the Opera sang at the wedding and then we had a reception up in the Yankee Club and uh, George paid for the entire thing the Yankee organization I should say and George Steinbrenner paid for the entire thing What was it about home plate at Yankee Stadium that you knew you wanted to be married there? Well, my wife, Allison, is a big, big, big baseball fan. She's a big baseball fan, too. So I just thought it was natural, and I just said to her, would you like to get married at Yankee Stadium? She said, you think it can be worked out? I said, I have no idea, but I request it. And I requested it, 
and um, the rest is history. Uh, at first, the woman who's in charge of non-baseball events, she got the request from George saying this couple wants to be married at home plate, and she called him up. She said, you told me never, never, never to allow anybody to be married at home plate. And he said, uh, well, he's part of our family, and it, this is what Ed wants. This is what he will get. We will allow him to be married at home plate. So she's, she set everything up and called us in to uh, talk to us about the uh, reception and what kind of food, so forth and so on. And that's how it happened. Ed Lucas has been a reporter covering Major League Baseball for over 50 years. He also maintains a foundation for people who are blind and disabled. You can find out more information by going to Ed lucasfoundation.org. Ed, I thank you so much for your time and your generosity, and it has really been a delight and honor to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, and good luck to you. Anything I can do to help you, please let me know. But um, best of luck to you. I would love to know what you think. Blazinchose at gmail.com. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Blazin Access Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow the show on social media, Facebook and Twitter at Blazin Shows. If you have a minute or two, I'd be grateful if you left a review. Tune in for another blast from the past next time here on the Blazin Access Podcast. Amplifying the disability voice one story at a time. Have a great day.